Hello, humans. Welcome to Not You Guillermo, what we do in the Shadows podcast, brought to you by The Dip. I'm Patrick Monahan. And I'm Nicole Conlon. This week, we're going to recap episode six of season three of What We Do in the Shadows with two very special guests. Let's dive in, shall we? This week, we're joined by writing duo Jake Bender and Zach Dunn. They've written on seasons two, three, and four of What We Do in the Shadows. They've also written for Fox's Bless the Hearts and an upcoming Amazon project. And they also wrote last night's episode, which is called The Escape. So, uh, hey, guys, thanks for doing the show. Welcome. Hey, thanks for having us, you guys. Uh, thanks for here being we are. here. Yeah. Happy yeah. to be here. You know, this is this is great. This whole podcast <laughs> is about the show we work on. It's a perfect podcast for us to go yeah, on. Yeah, I find that when people are not at work, what they like to do is think about work more and talk about work and just generally reflect on work. But this is all work that's now done. So now it's fun to talk True. about. <laughs> also, we don't have to do any of the hard stuff in terms of making the show. So Yeah. So thank you guys so much for being here. Can you please introduce yourselves to our lovely audience? Yeah. Hey, I'm Zach. I talk like this. And when you hear someone talking like this, that's that is me. Yeah. Okay. So everybody at home, please remember that. Jake, would you mind introducing yourself? I'm Jake. I talk normal like this. And yeah, that's me. Okay. That's kind of implying that I don't talk normal. I talk just as normal as you. Okay. So remember when you hear the normal one, it's Jake. Zach and Jake, now that we know your voices, can you tell us how you met and started working together? We get this question a lot and we oh, it's such a boring answer. And so we always are just like, should we just like have some sort of like more like insane answer? But the real honest to God truth is we met at a UCB sketch writing class. Uh, yeah. And believe it. Believe we it met at a UCB class. <laughs> who, who, who was your teacher? Drop some names. Alan McLeod. Okay. Very funny guy was our teacher. Shout out um, to Alan McLeod. Very funny. Yes. And... Yeah, I mean, not, we were taking this class. We just hit it off quickly and became friends in the class. And you know, I don't, I don't know. It feels like a like a cliche or something that of a way to make friends and meet a writing partner. But it's our lives. There's there's no running from it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look, we've all had to spend you know several thousand dollars on UCB classes, and that's a small price to pay for a lifelong friendship. That's true. That's true. It, that's, that, that's, a, that's a nice way of looking at it. And also the opportunity to do sketch comedy for seven or eight people on a Tuesday evening. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I mean, I don't know where else we could have done that. Maybe if, if, if they bring back UCB, they could rebrand it as more of like a friendship center, you know, a place to make <laughs> lifelong friends. And then the comedy can just be kind of a bonus aspect. If any of the UCB4 are listening, yeah, they can have us, that. I would say at least two of them are, is what I, if, if I had to <laughs> handicap it. I yeah, think. I think as, the mats. as a sort of a social club for yeah, the most the deranged young med uh, in Los Angeles <laughs> in New York. <laughs> Yeah, if we yeah, maybe you guys can get, get get some like they can bring out some like matching robes or something, you know, just really go all in on the sort of this is a social thing now and we hang out together and we <laughs> we all have very similar interests and uh I'm approaching something that's sounding less and less like a it's sounding uh, a little comedy scary school. now, but I think that's <laughs> kind of fun too. Might have a bigger audience. So uh speaking of scary, what was the getting hired process like on what we do in the shadows? You know, was it a tough get, I guess as they say in the biz, probably? <laughs> uh I mean, you know, we, we you know, it was an essay writing contest, you know. <laughs> why, <laughs> why should we write for the vampire show? 
we, you know, we got hired in the stupidest way via like sort of Twitter and the internet. I don't know, even though neither of us are that like prolific online, I, but like Paul Sims, who runs the show, he just became aware of our comedy and he sort of wanted to know if we had any scripts and we had tons of scripts we'd written and we sort of became friends with him and then he hired us for the show. It, it didn't really make any sense when it happened. But I think that's key to getting hired because a lot of people are trying to write for the show who don't have scripts and that can be a <laughs> hindrance, I find. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was, uh, no, it was, it was, a you know, obviously there's always luck involved, but we were, we were prepared when the very lucky thing happened and yeah, and We've been coasting off that ever since. <laughs> that was, for, we got hired for season two of the show, which was written in 2019. Yeah, that was written in New York. And then this season that's airing now uh, was written all over Zoom, like right at the beginning of the pandemic in 2020. What was it like coming onto a show that already had an existing season and had a voice and, you know, writers who'd been working on it to build this world for the past year? Um, I mean, it was really cool because I think everybody all really liked the show and liked the movie a lot. And it was fun because Paul had hired a bunch of young writers for the second season, too. So it felt like there was a lot of, I don't know, there was a lot of energy. It felt like whatever the first day of school in a good way. And I don't know, the, the show is just so, uh, it could go anywhere. So I don't know, it felt very open to whatever we wanted it to be. It was a fun season two to time to join the show because there it was like we knew all these characters there are all these incredible actors it was like clear what they were but then like there were a lot of possibilities to start trying to like explore so it it, it felt like whatever there was kind of an embarrassment of riches in terms of where the show could go yes we got to keep world building yes people in like reviews and stuff always talk about world building and it's something that we talk about in the writers group a lot being like what does that mean well you're explaining staten island to people i think it's, you know, what are the rules of Staten Island? How, right, does the, yes. how do the physics of Staten Island work? <laughs> yes. Sure. Yeah, I think it just means uh, new guys and new, like, little goblins every so often. Yeah, and that just, kind of like, stuff. new and shit that happens um, <laughs> right. every few episodes. <laughs> Most shows cool. don't have that, new stuff that happens. That's very rare in, in <laughs> serial television. No, it's always the same kind of little guys, you know. <laughs> <laughs> what we're trying to do is introduce new guys, new freaks, and see what the people think about it. They always say that the basis of any good plot is little guys, you know? Yeah. yeah. You got you to gotta have little guy traits. You got to have, like, specific little guy voices. We get it. And then um, once in a while, you toss in a big guy, and it keeps people <laughs> on their toes. Now, when you guys are right, speaking of little guys, which clever listeners may have noticed I was using to refer to characters, when you guys are writing, do you find that, like, one of you is better at certain like writing certain characters, do you like improv scenes as the characters? What's your process of like getting into their heads? Zach is really good at Colin, you know. It's like it's almost <laughs> as if it comes like from a deep, a deep well, you know. This is really I know Jake is trying to bother me, but I think he might be being serious. <laughs> I re recently in our the writer's room group text, someone sent the BuzzFeed quiz of what shadows character you are and i did get called robinson and it was getting a lot of thumbs up when i said it, it really was bad. <laughs> i don't think i'm boring but it's i guess probably he doesn't whatever it's fine it's fine i guess yeah, yeah. no I, it's, um, I mean, jake's really good at doing the nandor voice <laughs> I don't, i'm not trying to pip you into doing it but i think that in general 
Jake is as one of the better impressionists on the staff. And so I think, I don't know if that inspires you to write more, Dandor, but. I mean, yeah, it's a boring answer, but I mean, we, we all the characters are genuinely really fun to write for, but there are like Nandor is particularly fun to write for because the, it is fun to pitch uh, in, in the Nandor voice. But yeah, I don't know. I think they're so fun because I don't know, you get to play with all these different kinds of like attitudes and like they all have like these insane backstories. So it's like this infinite well of like material to pull from for, for jokes um, for all the characters. Yeah. I, we, we noticed, uh, you know, this season, a couple things seem to be like, they seem to be a little bit, uh, raunchier we'll say than last you know i feel like there's a little bit more of a uh a little more raunch in general this season was that a a conscious choice was that some new blood in the writer's room was that you know what, is there anything that can be attributed to you think or was there just a did you guys just turn the horny dial up a little bit <laughs> we hired pepe Le Pew, which yeah. is stupid he's like canceled yeah <laughs> problematic I know it was a bad, bad, call. bad idea. Wow, you guys hired him. They couldn't even get him in Space Jam Two. They were like, he's conspicuously absent from. Space he was Jam free. 2. But don't worry, there was a lot of granny in Space Jam Two, which everybody was <laughs> begging for more granny. They gave all Pepe's lines to granny in Space Jam Two. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I I'm trying to think about that because really, it's this. It's there were no new writers added for season three. It was. I, I think there's just it's really fun. For all of us that FX lets us do anything in terms of like swearing or whatever. I think maybe those are the things that make each other laugh the most in the room. And so more and more as people try to do that, they get more and more into the show. Yeah. But in the first season, there is like a whole orgy episode. So I don't know. It's, it's like the show has always been just really horny. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, that's true. That's true. I feel like I, maybe it's just the the I'm still like stuck on the Colin Robinson stuff from the first episode. That's been really jarring yeah, for me. Yeah, uh, You know, stuff. <laughs> so maybe yeah. that's there's a lingering sort of uh, uh, psychic damage that's not not going away. I'm not sure. Um, yeah, I can't yeah. explain that. You'll have to talk to Paul Sibs about that someday. <laughs> Only he can uh, explain. <laughs> we also noticed that Laszlo seems to have a much shorter fuse. He's kind of fed up very quickly. Is that something that was sort of decided upon? Is is, uh, is this like a Harrison Ford shooting the guy instead of doing the sword fight in Indiana Jones? Is Matt Barry like <laughs> running off set or something? <laughs> That's it. We did the line. We're done. Like, is there any kind of, you know, or is that just another quirk of how it came out, I guess? I think maybe, you know, as the show goes on, the characters kind of, crystallize a little bit more into like the their sort of their modes or like the funniest kind of games to see them in and positions to see them in. I also think, you know, this season he's hanging out a, a lot with Colin Robinson, who I think is a very frustrating person and maybe that's getting to him a little bit. But you know, there's <laughs> there's interesting things coming with uh all with all these characters in the final episode. Okay, like, yeah, we, I'm getting I, I mean so suddenly nobody cares about us, but suddenly, you know, we'd be like murdered by Disney if we started revealing <laughs> too much. It's I have read I have read some, I think, pretty credible fan theories, but I'd feel weird discussing them in front of you. But I do feel like writing all of my theories down on a little piece of paper and mailing it to you so that you'll know <laughs> when I was right and when I was wrong. We could give you our addresses. This sounds like a good Put it on the pod. Yeah, why not? Please yourself. Please come and murder me. (laughs) Yeah. First Disney's going to come and then all the fans of this podcast. (laughs) 
send your location, but use the imprecise location in the Apple thing. So it's only like a big circle and then right. people can just kind of play a <laughs> They'll have game. to do a little bit of work. Yeah, they'll know the general area. <laughs> just go from house to house, sure. Yeah. Um, <laughs> how, uh, how collaborative is the writer's room? Like, uh, obviously in a traditional writer's room, you break the story together and then kind of go off on script on your own. Is that basically how it is? Or do you guys uh, write, does the room write each episode a little bit more together? We definitely, like, as a room, you know, when it comes to, like, talking about, like, the stories and the general shape of the season, it's it's really fun and, and collaborative. Um, but on this show, we definitely, like, um, I feel like it's a little different than other sitcoms. I, I feel like writers definitely have a lot of autonomy over their own episode in terms of, like, outlining and then writing the script and producing the episode. A lot. There's a lot less group writing that happens uh, on this show than other shows, just because of sort of the preferences of the people who are in charge of the show. And just, it's sort of the mode we've all fallen into. And I think it ended up being very well suited for the Zoom written seasons, season three and season four, which is written and now is being shot. Like, you know, I, I think it, had, it it was very, con- even though season two was kind of written in this very like separate way, we leaned into it more for the Zoom rooms. And I think it ended up being beneficial that we were prepared for it. But yeah, it, and it's also nice for us because we have each other in our duo. So we spend a lot of time sort of on our own developing the episodes and then sending it back and forth with uh, other people from the room to kind of get feedback and develop it. And then how do you two write? Do you like, uh, do you like, uh, okay, I'll write a draft of it and then uh, I'll send it to you and then you uh, do your version of it and then I'll send it back to you. Or yeah, or we, have, you we like... have never been in the same room, actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, long pre-COVID, we were just like, you know what? Let's not risk anything. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, we we typically write in the same room or if we're lazy or apart for some reason we'll write over FaceTime but like yeah we usually just go through in the same room I don't know I'm usually the typist Jake paces around you know sort of a genius at work type situation stroking his (laughs) chin and I'm like oh oh good good one boss a lot of that Um, I'm throwing stuff yeah he's really screaming at me um this is all a lie where it's a very uh I don't know we it we kind of mix it up, I think. Sometimes we'll get bored of one way of writing and we'll try something else. But usually with this, it's so well outlined by the time we're writing it that, like, it's pretty easy for us to just, like, sit together and bang out the episode. Um, yeah. I used to go to a coffee shop when I lived in Los Angeles. And I lived there for two and a half years. And there was this writing duo there who was working on, as far as I could tell, the same script for the entire two and a half years. <laughs> and it was one of them was the typist and the other guy would like occasionally walk around, but it was like a coffee shop. So everybody else, he would be like walking over people's like backpacks and stuff. It was very annoying. Which which coffee shop was it? Cafe Vita. Oh, Sunset sure. and yes. oh, yeah. something. No yeah. longer with us, Cafe Vita. Oh, rest in peace. I've spent, here's the thing. Great coffee shop to do work at. Horrible coffee. Truly atrocious coffee. Yes, yeah. very strong coffee. I feel yeah. like I, I definitely uh, Speaking ill of the dead. Disrespectful. <laughs> Well, anyway, Nicole, we want to apologize for bothering you in that coffee shop back then. <laughs> we, you know, our living situations were bad. We had somewhere to go, so we're sorry. Yeah, but the script um, turned out really good. I mean, it, it sure did. It I really mean, it still did. needs a couple more years, I think, but 
it'll oh, turn it out great. The, it right. wasn't the script we watched last night. It was no, a no, no. Oh no, it's like sort of an epic right. feature. And we have to. It's sure. like a, it's it's like it's like Meet the Spartans, like one of those, right? Yeah, yeah. Just like every <laughs> we reference. We have to get a lot of the, the IP cleared, like Austin Powers <laughs> and Bruce Almighty. We don't yeah, of course. <laughs> Legally, I don't know if we can use it, but the like all the Lord of the Rings characters. I don't know. Wow. I mean, it's we're getting there. We're in talks. Yeah, and it's like. 300 pages right now so yeah. it's like it could be multiple it's kind of like but max it's a, it's a super mario brothers 300 yeah. it moves yes. you know it's very yeah it's a tight yeah. 300 it's very quick so if you guys were wanna... you guys upset that that space jam 2 did the granny matrix scene before you guys could get it on the you know in front of anybody <laughs> uh, yeah i had a fucking meltdown in the <laughs> <laughs> well it's like that's 50 pages of the movie god the like... wild thing about the granny matrix scene <laughs> and if you guys want to hear more about this you can listen to my other podcast because we did a whole episode about it there are two characters in that movie who are known for being fast and who could conceivably control time but instead they picked granny to be the one who controls time i will i could talk about this for six hours <laughs> granny, i think it's because they wanted to get granny at a computer to do some funny computer jokes about sure. like, looking at twitter yeah <sighs> now your guys if i remember right you had granny uh killing a bunch of security guards in a lobby it was just like the matrix but with an old lady and right it was basically the same deal mm-hmm. yeah so yeah look, and and yeah people will see it someday so it's <laughs> well i can't wait yeah one way or another people will see it <laughs> um <laughs> Uh, okay, back to the issue at hand. Oh, right. Uh, right, right. <laughs> what, are we doing? what is this show? Yes. What are we doing? Um, so, so season two, were you guys in person? Yes. We were in person in New York is where the show Ooh. is. Yes. Um, and how was the experience of writing in person versus having to be over Zoom? Um, it was so much more fun. I yeah. mean, Zoom is, <laughs> Zoom is great. And this our Zoom experience was still really fun and everyone is very close and it's a good good environment. But... It's just much more fun to be in person and like, I don't know. I, I I think all the little things of being in a writer's room are just like getting to know people and like having sort of side conversations. That's all out the window when you're on a Zoom and it's a lot of like having to like call on people to talk about what they did <laughs> the previous night. I don't know. It, it's it's fine. But in terms of the actual work, it ended up feeling fairly similar. I think just and it ended up being more more work done on our own more like okay let's get off the zoom and i'll come up with ideas and then in the morning we'll all pitch out our various thoughts okay we're gonna take a quick break and when we come back we're gonna talk to zach and jake about the episode they wrote for this week and we're back um, so, Zach, Jake, extremely fun, silly episode this week. When did you know that this was going to be the episode that you guys were writing? Did you pitch this? I don't, I would not say so. I don't know. It's hard. The, the like, plotting out of the season is, that's, like, the most collaborative thing the room does. This idea, in my memory, the, like, seed of it, the sort of seed of, like, the sire character came from Stephanie Robinson, who's one of our executive producers, and it's something we've been all talking about as like kind of a big scary thing that would happen in the season. And yeah, I, I don't. I, we sort of just got told write an episode about this thing escaping, and then we kind of went went from there. And we had something. I like the the Baron on the dog was like a big thing that we were like <laughs> a lot of the episode was built around getting to that joke. I remember <laughs> <laughs> that is a big reveal. I there was a note card 
that just said Baron rides a dog, and that was rides <laughs> Hellhound. That was like one of the. I things. have to say, I was shocked to find out the Hellhound was actually a Hellhound and not just a golden retriever in this episode. Uh, yeah, <laughs> fun little. Twist. We 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 gotcha. <laughs> you really yeah. did. We can talk about our favorite parts. You, would you guys, since, you know, not to give you an assignment here that you've already done, but would you mind uh, giving us a little rundown of what happens in the episode, just in case anyone uh, wants to be refreshed? We oh, didn't watch sure. it. Patrick, Patrick and I didn't watch it. So. <laughs> hey, why don't you uh, just just con- just confirm what we already know? This is still making a lot of sense, sense actually. actually. Totally. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> We, we can just host the podcast if you guys want. Like, oh, God, if you wouldn't mind. If, if, that, if that's why we're here. Um, <laughs> sort of the episode is about the vampires. They're now running the Vampiric Council. And one of their main tasks is taking care of the sire, who's this ancient vampire, first vampire ever. And Nadja was supposed to ask Nandor to feed it. She never did. The monster gets out. And she lies to Nandor and blames it on him. Nandor has been feeling a little emotional this season. He's maybe starting to question some things. You know, he just learned about the Big Bang Theory. And uh, he believes, hey, maybe it is my fault. I messed up. And it sets them off on this lovely adventure. Jake, do you want to continue? <laughs> um, I mean, yeah. And, and uh, basically the whole idea is like there's a STEM theory, basically, that, you know, the vampire that turned you, you know. Um, so if that vampire dies, then you die. And so the vampires then all have to go out together before the sun comes up to capture the sire and bring it back to the vampire council offices. And uh, in the process, and along the way, they un they unbury is that a word? Whatever they dig up the Baron who was believed to be dead. Exhume. Thank you. I was looking for something and I couldn't get there. Um, they dig him up. And uh, he's alive, barely, and he tags along on their adventure and ends up being very helpful in capturing the sire because he's able to speak to it in the ancient vampiric tongue. And then he and the sire all go off with the hellhound to live in a beautiful little home together in New Jersey. There you go. That's that's the episode. Honestly, people don't even have to watch the episode. I'm glad that we had you do it. I think you nailed it. So the first thing I want to say about this episode, and I know that you guys didn't have anything to do with this, but... Great creature design, incredible creature design on the sire specifically, but also the gargoyles are quite good. Yes, uh, we did that actually. <laughs> hey, <laughs> yeah. congratulations! I didn't want to say anything. I didn't. I, I didn't know for you know. It's like maybe they did have a lot of input. Who knows? Uh, we did. Maybe no, they were in. Oh, they're in the you lab. You call it input, but we actually did it. We made it. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they, they were like busy, and they asked if we would just make those things on the yeah, computer. Yeah, the guy who makes it got sick. Um, <laughs> yeah. <so. laughs> So you just you just nailed it on the first try then. Yeah, we had never done anything like that before. It was such a crazy night, but we figured it out. <laughs> um, now, let me ask you, do you guys are you guys like monster heads outside of what we do in the shadows? Do you know a lot about like lore and that kind of stuff? I think to be fully honest with you, no. I, we we both like, you know, horror movies and sci-fi and that kind of thing. But I, I would say we definitely are coming more from the sort of comedy and sitcom part of of the show. Um, and honestly, that's what was really fun about writing this episode, because our episode in season two is the one where they go to the Super Bowl party, which is a really fun episode. But it's it's kind of a sitcom episode. It's like about all these, you know, miscommunications and all these things going on. And then in this, it was like, OK, we're writing this big like adventure episode with all these creatures and all this stuff. And so it was a fun sort of new test for us. And I think 
it was fun. I, I, I don't know. It was, it turned yeah, out to be fun to write. It was, it was so fun watching it come together too. Cause like we would sit in on these meetings with like the teams that, you know, make all these creatures and it's like incredible what they were able to do and like do you know like when they were designing the sire is is that based on something or did they just like i got a cool idea for what a real old vampire would look like i mean we wrote in that just it was like nasty and had big wings and stuff and then it, it ended up i don't know they just kind of combined a couple animals i think like yeah they were like, it's like a bad a it mouse works. kind of yeah he's four nine he's a short king that was important <laughs> Yeah, you know, respect so we stand for the short, short king. king. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's a different direction for sure for for the first ever vampire than, uh, for example, Blade Trinity took, which was the guy from Prison Break. He was just Dracula. <laughs> yes, uh, so it was, it was between, slightly different. It was between that guy and the sire, and we ended up yeah. going with the sire. Yeah. <laughs> So a big surprise in this episode is that the Baron is back after we saw him die in front of us. Did you guys decide to bring the Baron back or was that something that was decided in in the room altogether? I think that was another aspect of from the room that was kind of like at, at a certain point in the room, we cracked this idea that this was the time that the Baron would come back because... We started going down this logic thing about, well, maybe the bear, if the Baron turned Nadja, then then Nadja would be dead and Laszlo would be dead. So it kind of... Sure, so they had to bring him back. I see. But then we were like, oh, wait, this is just kind of like a fun, surprising way to get back into this. And I know Jermaine just had always wanted to like keep the Baron alive. And so I think that's sort of how this idea of like in season one, when they bury him, his eyes light up a little bit. So there was always this like possible little hope that he would return. And I think we felt like this was a fun time to bring back. Also at a time when like they sort of have gained some power, which is what he always wanted them to do, but it's not going very well. And, you know, Doug Jones, I just, I mean, we we didn't get to go to set or anything this year because of COVID, but he's just the most talented and seemingly the nicest person ever. So it was, I think everyone was very eager to get him back in the mix. Yeah, he's he's amazing. Yes. So we see all of these reporters. Nandor holds a press conference where he has to announce that the sire has escaped. Are there like, so first of all, Lars Murderbone from the Orlando Sentinel <laughs> is very funny. Thank you. Did you guys like initially have more reporters in there that got cut? It seemed like there was a lot of like very specific vampires in there, including one who I think was from like Vice or BuzzFeed or something. The one like the young one in a beanie. No, yeah. I think we just wrote it in the script that there was like a bunch of like assortment of different types of, of journalists. Um, I think because we wrote that we wrote in that line where he names all the different kinds of uh, vampire journalists and like high school new yearbook editors and stuff. I think when the the casting were like, okay, let's sort of make everyone have a different vibe of all these different kinds of things. Yeah, that's how they ended up with this very wide array. And the inspiration for like a lot of those like press conference scenes was, I mean, obviously it was a very direct, you know, whatever Bush administration reference at the very end, but it was sort of those like <laughs> fe- those like FEMA style press conferences that were, you know, that were such a disaster that, you know, Bush would have. I think there was at one point there was a joke where Nandor says, heck of a job, Guillermo. Yes. There were two George Bush references we wrote in and then only one made the yeah. uh, episode at the end. But yeah, I, I also think, you know, look, it's not a topical show, but I, we, I think we wrote this at a time where there were a lot of, like, Cuomo press conferences and stuff <laughs> yeah. happening. And I think it was just, I don't know, it, it it's just a fun thing to see someone uh, completely floundering yeah, the world. Pretty, pretty soon people are going to start referring to themselves as Nandor sexuals. I 
guarantee you there's a segment of the internet that already is. <laughs> By people, I mean me. Um, yes, yes. I have to tell you, my personal favorite joke of the episode, jumping a little bit ahead, is Laszlo swallowing a harmonica. <laughs> oh my God, did that make me laugh. Yeah, uh, yes. Thank you. Look, honestly, we have to give a lot of credit to uh, Paul Sibbs, the showrunner. I, I will always remember the email he sent us where he was like, I have an idea for <laughs> Laszlo <laughs> towards the end. <laughs> And we were like, this is so funny. It's so insane. I mean, really? How would that, how'd that work? <laughs> we're like, we're going to, we'll write it in. It sounds great. And, you know, there's a reason he's, uh, he's good at his job. Yeah. It's definitely the most cartoonish thing I think we've ever done <laughs> on the show. It's great. <laughs> well, it's one of those things where it's like, I didn't think there was a way to make Matt Berry's voice funnier, but apparently if he's <laughs> followed a half second later by harmonica noise, that's the yes. answer. You can yeah, that's really something. I saw someone on the internet say, I, I hope he always has that in his throat. No, you don't. No, definitely no. It's no. <laughs> the worst thing ever. So another, I think, standout moment of the episode was when Nadja and the guide go talk to the Watchers, who are two um, gargoyles. Uh, and that's uh, Julie Klausner and um, Cole Scola, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Did you guys write all of their dialogue or were they allowed to improvise? They they improvised a good amount. And yeah. they're so funny. It, I don't know. It's it, it, it They added so much. I Like, like they added, like, all, the sort of weird hostility between the two of them, I think, was completely <laughs> added by them. <laughs> um, so that was... Such a joy to see uh, what they added to that. I mean, it's between, like, you already have the main cast who are all, like, incredible writers and improvisers. And then, you know, the show's always good about casting the smaller guest parts as just the funniest people who just elevate everything so much. Yeah, we really lucked out with, with getting them. Now, I do have a logistical question. I think this might take some of the fun out of the episode, but I have to know if you thought about how did the camera crew get up there to also talk to the gargoyles. That's definitely something we always talk about, I think, for scenes like that, um, and then have just stopped uh, <laughs> trying to justify it. <laughs> they have a camera, you yeah. know. <laughs> There's one of the people on the camera crew repelled on the side of the building. Sure. Yes. Great. Maybe there's an elevator, you know. Yeah, I mean, you, you know. You consider the the crew in the episode because uh, the sire like straight up like breathes on the camera at one point when he after in the middle of his rampage. So clearly, you know, yeah, I'm just going to say drone. I think that's the answer for any hard to get shot. Yep. It's canonically drone. It was drone. (laughs) (laughs) Here's the thing, though. I feel like if it's drones. Colin Robinson would be all over that. He would only (laughs) ever he would become a drone guy like that. Yes. Yes, I think there might, it's very quick, but I think there might be a drone shout out with the the weed energy vampire in the yes. second episode yes, there this is. season. there is. So maybe, you know, he's connected to this somehow. I think maybe. hopefully some novelizations are someday written and they sort of can tackle a lot one. of these I got things. something in the works. Good. Oh, great, great. Yeah. It's very erotic. Well, you um, know, we, probably the most, this, this would come up the novelization, and I'm sure we'll get there with the story, but I, I guess I'm jumping ahead, um, is... The language that they're all talking at the end, this vampiric tongue, that felt like the closest to like sort of like Star Wars or Star Trek type new thing. And we were really excited because we like invented this language and like wrote it all in this script. 
And then like we did like the table read over and they were like, so yeah, so we have to like bring in a linguist to make this like a good language. <laughs> and they just threw out our entire language. But we got to work with the linguist and talk with him and he was really smart. Well, I want to know everything about it. So oh, yeah, like J.R.R. Yeah. Tolkien like famously like based his, like, he was like a linguist and he based all of his languages on real language. So like I think Elvish is based on Finnish and that sort of thing. Was your language based on anything? What did he add? Is there a whole like grammatical structure? Can you speak it? Tell me everything, everything about this. It's based on Romanian, I think. Yeah, Ancient, right. Rom- like fifth century Romanian, but like with some other little things sprinkled in throughout. And at one point we had a joke that got cut that was that it's like Romanian with like a sprinkle of like Yiddish in it. And then I remember the <laughs> linguist was like, was like, hey, like that joke, like it's not really true. It doesn't really make sense. So like you might want to change it. And we were like, hey man, it's just a joke. Like, let us have this. It's like, but hey man, it's a show about vampires. <laughs> yeah, he but was right ultimately. He, he was right. And he probably should be a writer for the show instead of us. Uh, <laughs> what what was your language like? Like, can we get a taste of that? Is it just a series of blurs? Like uh, you know, like, like I mean, cartoon we incorporated, honestly, we had a lot of the Yiddish incorporated into our language. Yeah. It was, you know, very vowel heavy. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what that meant. I don't know. <laughs> it um, was, it was, we were like trying to make it feel like a language and add up in some way. We we were proud of it, but I guess it sounded stupid. But I'm like, any language sounds stupid. I don't know. Maybe. That's true. But I think the language we ended up with is is great. And hopefully some fans incredible. will learn to yeah, speak no, it. Yeah, it's, it sounded, then the voice of the sire uh, sounded really cool too. Do you guys work with the actors much at all when you are writing? Um, not really. I mean, I think, like, we all, like, have a very good sense of, like, you know, what their, you know, strengths are, you know? And it's so, we always are writing, like, you know, with, with like, the season with the episode where Nandor, like, does all, the, like, the voices and, like, goes into the gym and tries to seduce um, her. Like, we wrote that with the idea that, like, oh, Kayvon does lots of uh, voices. We should try to like write something where he's able to do that. Yeah. It's like, and I think because the actors bring so much once they're at, you're actually on the day and in the scene, like it, they sort of don't even need to be involved in the writing process because sort of it's their own pass of everything when they're actually performing it, which is great for us because it makes all the writing much funnier. So it makes us look good. We learned this episode that uh, confirming that Colin Robinson is n- sort of not part of the vampire family tree, according to us. So th- we've been tracking this sort of over the course of the season. We're trying to find out how to kill Colin Robinson more than anything, <laughs> I think. Um, yeah. Is this a, a personal lot. goal or? I think it's just a good background, like information to have. It's just good yeah. to know. Yeah. We all deal with energy vampires. We want to make sure that like we can escape if we need to. And he says in this episode that, because uh, they're talking about, like, if the vampire who made you a vampire dies, that you also die. And then he says, not energy vampires, not me. So we know it's not that. So even even though he doesn't know where he came from, he knows he's not part of the, you know, and, and vampirism apparently is kind of like a pyramid scheme a little bit. <laughs> um, yes. As it turns out, uh, if you take down the one guy, that's, that's, that's it. Uh, so they really should... 
you know, I guess Nutley, New Jersey is pretty safe, but you'd think you'd want to maybe have a little bit more of a fortress, uh, you know, <laughs> to hopefully, keep him. Hopefully they're safe over there. <laughs> um, now, one question yeah. that I have about that is, so the Baron and the Sire and Aspen, the Hellhound, uh, they survive off of Airbnb guests. But here's the thing. I've been to Nutley, New Jersey. My college roommate was from Nutley, New Jersey. And uh, I, who's who, who's vacationing in Nutley, New Jersey? Who needs an Airbnb <laughs> in, in that town? You, you know, know I, I like to think their listing is really nice. Like they did a really, really good job of making the post. Like good lighting, good camera, where it's like, you know what? Like let's go to Nutley. I also think probably the prices are pretty good because they don't need the money. Uh, and the cleaning fee is low. So, yeah, I mean, but I, I think that's a fair question. I, I hope your college roommate doesn't hear this. I think, you know, she might be devastated. He, <laughs> he men okay, can okay. also live in Nutley, New Jersey. Okay, I think only women <laughs> live in Nutley. I've always said that. And sorry, first the Pepe Le Pew thing and now this. And... Boy, this is a problematic episode. Yep. Yeah, Big Zach time. is really outing himself here. You know, you also said all languages sound stupid, which I take to be a speak American thing. You're one of those you know, guys. But that's one of those things where, you know, I'm an equal opportunity language criticizer. So I don't think anyone could get mad at me for that. I guess we'll see. One thing I'm interested in knowing is, is you guys kind of mentioned this earlier, but this season, we're seeing a lot of pairings that we haven't seen before, like Colin and Laszlo are together more often, Nandor and Nadja are together pretty much all the time. And that's very different from seasons one and two. Was that a conscious decision on the part of the writer's room to see these characters together and find out what their dynamic creates? Or was it just the way things shook out when you were talking about the season? Probably the it was kind of a mix. Yeah, lies somewhere in the middle, I think. we. I think there was like an instinct at some point to be like, well, maybe we should just like mix it up every episode. But then it was like, you know, I think if we're sort of, pe- people realize that it might be more fun to like dig into the dynamics a little bit more over the course of the season. Um, and I think especially because we all settled on Nandor and Nadja being the ones who are really vying for the power. And I think it sort of left us figuring out what to do with the other characters. But then it turned out to be like, it worked out in a way where we were very excited to have the characters paired up how they were. And sort of, it was, it was built around setting up the dynamics like this um, as they continue to unfold over the course of this uh, season. Right now we've got four left or yeah. I don't know. Yeah. That sounds Not, right. Seven, eight, some, nine, 10. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. And you know, the stuff's going to happen on the show. <laughs> crazy stuff. That's a promise. That's you a, heard a it not here you, first. Guillermo, yep. exclusive. Boom. Inside scoop. You should put like an air horn sound yeah. here or a mic drop Boy. or something. <laughs> yeah. That's why we're here. We're here to drop the bombs and uh-huh. I, uh, stuff will happen. We should talk about Guillermo too, I guess, speaking mm-hmm. of the uh, name of the, uh, of the show here. He sort of uh, just completely takes over about you know a third of the way in once the, once the once the issue has be, has become clear he starts by sort of t- almost timidly proposing I should be the one to find the sire and they're all like fine and then he just immediately starts bossing everyone around sort of realizes that he's uh, had got some leverage and just completely uh you know and, and I I thought that was uh it's it's kind of been bubbling up the whole season I think you know obviously um but and the end of last season too. But this was like a real just, you know, get moving. Uh, I need a glass of water, no ice. Which is, uh, 
you know, and obviously Colin doesn't even know where the faucet is, but that's apparently his main, you know, it's hard to, hard to comprehend. But yeah, I, I thought that was, uh, we kind of keep track episode to episode, whether we think Guillermo's closer to becoming a vampire or not, which, you know, the more we do this, the less that seems like it's even necessarily his primary goal anymore. You know, that sort of obsession seems to have faded a lot. So I don't even know if there's a way to, to say one way or the other this time. He just kind of, he's becoming the dominant person in the house almost, even though he's not physically or, you know, paranormally the most powerful, I guess. Yeah, I, I think we were very conscious when, you know, we were setting up the start of the season with being like, okay, he's being promoted to be the bodyguard. And I think, so one of the thoughts of this episode was being like, well, let's like, let's see him in action. Like, let's see him like doing that. And also sort of using his vampire hunter skills for good to help them sort of being like, okay, Guillermo, here's your chance to like show what it's like when you're have the kind of power that you want to have. And, you know, he, he did pretty good. Yeah. He found it, you know, <laughs> he, he found, found it. He tasted piss. <laughs> um, yeah. That is, uh, I have a question about that. Yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> How does Guillermo know what vampire? We will not, like? we can't answer this. There's too, okay. there's, there's too much fan discourse about this. And you know what? It's it's a big mystery. Yeah. It's yeah. like what Bill Murray says to Scarlett Johansson at the end of uh, yes. Lost in Translation. It's that level of, you know, it would take down the whole moment. No, I mean, if you so. if you turn the volume up in Lost in Translation, he's saying Guillermo, like, Guillermo tasted piss, which is a weird <laughs> huh, thing. Interesting. Yeah, because the show wasn't even in the works at that point. It didn't. The movie hadn't even come it out. Was very so ahead just, of yeah, I mean, this would have been oh, like close to a decade before. Yeah. It's pretty crazy, but it's one of those movie magic kind of things. I mean, it is one of the greatest of all time. Way, way ahead of its time. So I get it. Yeah, I don't know um, what okay. a MacGuffin is, but that the pissing will say <laughs> that's a MacGuffin. Uh, you guys are professional television writers. You should probably right. It's some sort of learn what a MacGuffin is at some something. point. It's, it's like a yeah, piss guffin. It. It's like a piss <laughs> guffin, yeah. Um, okay, I have, a, I have a pitch for you guys as writers of the show. I think at some point, there needs to be an episode where Nandor needs to be disguised as a human, and he's a human named Al. And then at one point, he says to Guillermo, if you'll be my bodyguard, I can be your long-lost pal. Long walk for that one. <laughs> Thank you so much. Uh, somebody said something about a bodyguard, and it popped into my head, and I was like, mm, this is like the video from The Ring now, where if I don't share it with someone, it'll kill me. Right, yeah. Look, I think it's good. Yeah. I mean, look, season four's already written, but we're going to scrap season the whole five, season. Season five, baby. Yeah. I, I'm saying we scrap season four and sort of season build four. around this. Look, I think you can probably base the whole season around Paul Simon's discography. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think he'd be cool with it. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. What's he up to? He's just wearing that dumb hat, just hanging in the <laughs> Okay, now Jake's going after Paul Simon. <laughs> fucking, <laughs> right? fucking asshole. No, I, 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 I like Paul Simon. Christ. Four foot nine, gross looking. Was it? Was the sire a dig at Paul Simon? <laughs> oh my God. No. Boom, 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 boom. <laughs> wow. I, Nicole, I got to say, I thought it was interesting. You know, you hear Bodyguard. You don't go to the... Kevin Costner movie or I will always love you. You go to no way, baby. From, okay, yeah. <laughs> I uh, I listened to the to Spotify's Yacht Rock playlist all summer long, so you sure. better believe I've spent a lot okay. of time. With we don't. We don't. You can call me Al. We don't need Guillermo like holding Nandor in his arms, ki- like killing a bunch of vampires or whatever to get him out of a room safely while that song plays. We get. Yeah, we just, need uh, one throwaway Paul Simon reference. Yeah. Okay. Great. Yeah. We love it. Great. It's in. The it's, show. it's in. It's in. <laughs> It's being shot. They got to reopen the budget now. (laughs) 
So I think that's it, guys. Thank you so much for joining us. Aside from your home addresses, which we discussed earlier in the episode, where can people we'll find you? We'll put those in the description just so everyone yeah, can yeah, search yeah. them easily. Perfect. First of all, thanks for having us. Yeah, um, thank you. This is so fun. Yeah, I'm on Twitter, Zach B. Dunn. And yeah. I'm, I'm on Twitter. I'm at Jake S. Bender. Jake wow, really two middle much. initials. Yeah, we're kind of the middle initial guys. And wow. we're trying to get that going as our like industry name. I like it. It's important. <laughs> I think it's a great answer for the famously tricky task of identifying your voice. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's like we're the middle initial guys. Like what, what yeah. more do you need to know? I don't. Uh, S and B. B and S. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Follow Zach and Jake on Twitter. Next week, uh, we'll be chatting about episode seven, The Siren, in which two travelers are shipwrecked and a doll runs away from home. Yeah, so if you enjoyed this episode, please uh, rate, review, subscribe, all that stuff helps people find out about the show. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Patty Moe. And you can follow me on Twitter at Nicole Conlon and on Instagram at the Nicole Conlon. And you can visit thedip.com to stay up to date on all sorts of pop culture. That's thedipp.com. And you can follow the dip on Instagram at the dip. Bat. Harmonica noise. <laughs> Didn't do it. <laughs>